Chef Remo, you're here for another edition, Cuts Podcast. You know what the Cuts stand for? Culture, Urban, Technology, and Sports. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you, my creatives, we went across the waters for this one. We definitely were talking with a serial entrepreneur, pioneer. Oh, man, there's so many things under the sun to talk about with this man. Nonetheless, I got Dom. Dom, you're in the building. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Remo. Oh, man, no problem, man, no problem, man, no problem, man. And, you know, it's amazing, you know, for my creatives to speak with an entrepreneur, you know, a serial entrepreneur at that, you know. Um, definitely reading with your, with your profile and, and your, your background and everything. You've been doing this for years, man, for years, decades even. Um, quarter, quarter of the century, an awful long time in dog years. Right, <laughs> right, right. And, all, and just, you know, off the rip, man, like, Take us into like your trials and tribulations with what you become as a serial entrepreneur. Can you take my creators into that? Yeah, sure. I, mean, I was born and raised in France. I'm half French, half German. Okay. I spent uh, 25 years in the U.S. between 1993 and uh, 2018 wow. in uh, Los Angeles most of the time. Okay. I moved from France to the U.S. originally to become an entrepreneur in the tech business, uh, in the digital marketing business in particular. Right. Uh, struggled as most people do in the early stages. At uh, one point in time, I remember when I was living in Huntington Beach, uh, scrounging for quarters in my pocket, trying to buy a burrito and didn't have enough. Oh, wow. That's, that's how bad it got at some point. And uh, just stuck with it because I just didn't want to give the satisfaction back home to the people who told me when I left to the U.S., uh, we'll see you back here in six weeks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, wanted, I didn't want to see that kind of satisfaction on some of people's faces. Right. So I just stuck to my guns and ended up becoming very successful. Uh, I sold my, uh, my startup in 2001 for a tidy sum. Okay. And then, like everybody else, had successes, had failures across the board. Uh, but here I am today, 25 years later, moved back to France in 2018 to launch Unicorn Incubator, Unicorn with a Q, which is an incubator, an accelerator for technology startups. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's definitely um, continue on and, and about the whole coming back to France and as well as your, your longevity. Like, um, take my creators into the importance of your longevity, you know, what it took for you to be consistent, what it took for you to even for that matter, just manifest the, the, the strength and the, and the energy and the inertia to really like stick through with your craft and especially of your creation. Like take us into that. Sure. And I think, especially for creatives, you can probably relate to a little anecdote. Uh, it's Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. who was famous for a number of reasons, but he pretty much invented the light bulb. Right. And when people asked him, Thomas, how come you succeeded where so many others have failed? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, I finally ran out of things that did not work. Mm. So I think what all of us are faced with every single day are failures. Right. And we tend to look at failure as the opposite of success. Mm. When, in, when in fact, failure, planned failure, gets you one step closer to success. 
Thomas Edison proved this extremely well. I had the exact same occurrences in my life, in my, in my career, where, look, if you're trying to build a product or a service, especially something that's innovative, that's groundbreaking, if you're an artist and you're trying to drop a hit single, you're just not going to succeed the very first time, right? right. You're going to keep stumbling, 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 many failures, and it's, a, it's, it's all a matter of getting back up, knowing that the mistake that you just made that caused you to fail, you're not going to repeat it. You're going to derive a very strong learning lesson from that, adjust and pivot to get you on the right track to ultimately succeed. And I think regardless of what you're trying to be, whether it's an actor, a musician, an entrepreneur, right. a, you know, saving, saving the planet, saving an animal, whatever it is, a great father, right? A, a great father figure, if you're not a father, to people you're, you're, you, know, you, have, you have under you as a coach, for example. Right. I think you're facing the exact same challenges because becoming extremely proficient or something in my book, takes 20,000 20, hours of practice. That's a Kobe Bryant rule, right? right. Uh, why did he get the ball with a split second left? Well, because in his mind, there was no chance that he would fail to make that shot. And why was there no chance that he would fail? Because he had repeated it so many times more than any other athlete on the court. He was, he was shooting free throws and three-pointers uh, at 3 a.m. long after the game was over. And that's what we do in our space as well. All right, yo, man, that's yo, that's a great way to to take that insight and and how you look at it. Take my creatives into what it means to be a serial entrepreneur, because as of late, that word has been really pushed out as of late. And yeah, and not to say that one wouldn't understand, but we we really got to we're coming into a, a age or a time in the world where certain words are getting thrown out, and then that's just put as what the value is. So really, you know, this is your time and moment right now. Really take my creatives and understanding the meaning or your meaning thereof to you of what serial entrepreneurship be. Well, one thing first, let's make sure to define what it is not. It has nothing to do with Kellogg's cornflakes or Quaker Oats. Right. Right. It's not it's not cereal that we're eating. <laughs> right. <laughs> Secondly, I think that the term has been overused to a certain degree, okay. abused. Mm -hmm. I might be at fault myself. Okay. Uh, I, I typically don't put it up, but people have designated me as a serial entrepreneur. And basically what it means right. is that you've launched more than one entrepreneurial venture. Okay. And typically you're only serial if more than one of these entrepreneurial ventures has succeeded. They don't count the mm -hmm. failures in that, right? So what's a series? I mean, if we're talking playoffs, it's at minimum four games, right? So you typically need four successes. Right. Or if you played seven games, you've won four and you lost three, you would be considered the serial entrepreneur as well. Right. So that being said, you know, I think that what you do is as you go through the process of launching startups, launching businesses, going through the pains, going through the blood, sweat, and tears, going through processes where sometimes you lose all your life savings and you have to, no choice but to basically get back up and try it off again. I think what you learn is that no, your second, your third, your fourth, your fifth, your 10th venture is never the same, right? You basically bring good baggage along. You learn from your failures. You also tend, as has been my case, for example, we're in France right now with Unicorn, roughly 30 people. 
from uh, 16 different nationalities, right? So that didn't happen overnight. You know, I basically worked in different places. I had offices around the world. I got people here from Panama. I got people from the islands. I got people from Australia, from, from the US, uh, four or five Argentinians, seven rugby players. And that's an interesting one, right? Oh, God, so during, yeah. Let me tell you how that happened. So during early stages of COVID, the, we have a semi-pro rugby team here in Sarlai in our town. Okay. The CEO of the rugby team came to me and said, look, we're dying on the vine right now, like most other sports franchises, because we get money, bleeding money with nothing coming in. Would you be interested in helping us out? You know, maybe investing, et cetera. Uh, first year was a small sponsor. Last year was the largest sponsor. And he came to me at, at the onset of the third year, roughly around March or April of last year. Nice. So let me think. Let me think it over for a week. Uh, came back to him 24 hours later. Said, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be all in. And uh, today, I own the team. Oh wow! And yeah. <laughs> and this, thank you. Uh, as part of the process of basically, it's a team's been around since 1903. It's 117 years old, right? Wow. And I I call it a 117 year old startup, mm. right? Because what you inherit. Typically, just because you've been doing something for 117 years doesn't, doesn't mean you're doing the right thing, right? So a lot of ingrained habits, not necessarily the good ones, right? So we've done a tremendous amount of work of just uh, cleansing the entire operation at every level okay. and improving processes, workflow, both on the financial side and on the sports side. But what I discovered uh, is that the team is made of some pretty incredible individuals Right. That are not only top athletes, mm -hmm. but for some of them, also great minds. And I've slowly incorporated them into my organization to the tune where now one fourth of my organization consists of rugby players. Nice. And the traits of character that you find in successful people, entrepreneurs, actors, artists, musicians, are pretty much the same. Resiliency. The ability to take a hit and get back up, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know rugby or unfamiliar with the sport, think of American football without protection. Mm. Yeah, Oof. brutal. Right? So rough, right? Google some rugby teams, look at the All Blacks, the New Zealand team, et cetera, and look at the impacts that you see there, again, without protection. Right. What I discovered is that translates extremely well into the enterprise on the business side mm -hmm. so that – you know, one of my guys, I can be a lot rougher with them, which you have to be sometimes when you're trying to meet deadlines, when you're working on big projects. Right. And they, they take it in strides. They laugh, right? Because they're, they're able, they're accustomed to getting hit on the, on the field and in practice every single day, day in, day out. If I come along and I rough them around a little bit, they just take it with a smile and they keep performing at a higher rate. Right. So that was an interesting discovery that I certainly didn't know about in my first venture. But now in my 12th, I think it's my 12th venture, you know, okay. it's pretty much sunk in. So going back to team building, I think for those of you who want to be entrepreneurs, launch your startups, et cetera, et cetera, if you ultimately think about building a legacy, building an enterprise that has legs and that will be around and make an impact five years from now, 10 years from now, or whenever, you have to very early on think of team. Right, So you have to be able to think not just of yourself, even if you're the leader, but you're building a puzzle. 
Let's assume that puzzle consists of 100 pieces. Mm -hmm. The last piece I need on that deck is another me because I'm already there. Right. One and a half, a gaping hole on the right side, a gaping hole on the left side. Right. So you really have to be able to see the forest for the trees. That's a metaphor I use very, very often. Right. So let's assume we're in a forest and in front of us is a tree and the tree is dying. We can look at that tree and say, oh my God, right? How sad. Look at this tree that's dying, right? Mm -hmm. And then one thing leading to another, that's the trick that human mind plays on us every day, is we go into a down downward spiral. We say, oh my God, deforestation, all the trees are dying, et cetera, et cetera. But if you zoom out, that may be the only tree in that forest that's dying and the rest of the forest is healthy. Right. Right. So we tend to lose perspective. So what you basically need to do as an entrepreneur working with a team is, in essence, you have to be able to do an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. Imagine yourself sitting on your desk, and now you're zooming out from yourself, and now you're observing. You're seeing yourself sitting at that desk, and you see how everybody else works with you. Who is missing on that team? How do you communicate with your own team? How do they communicate amongst themselves? How can you improve that flow so that everybody works as a team in concert towards achieving, achieving your objectives, right? That takes quite a bit of hindsight and takes perspective that typically you tend to lack if you're doing your day-to-day -day thing. We're all doing our day-to-day -day thing. We're in the rat race. We're in the rat wheel, right? But you got to be able to step out of that. You have to be able to question yourself first and foremost before you can question anybody else. All right, man. Whoo, man, your insights are just off the chain. Let's take it on a different aspect, right? Now, with as of late, with the vast majority of people becoming entrepreneurs, right? Mm. They're developing their own businesses, they're developing their own um, markets thereof for their businesses and everything like that. What's your take on the ratio of entrepreneurs versus people that have jobs like it's starting to seem like the the wave of entrepreneurs is about to rise above even you're, higher right you're, what's gonna what's gonna happen when you know it comes to a time where everybody's an entrepreneur and you rarely have workers like what's your take on that so a very, very good point. Very, very timely point. And let me tell you, because I have enough hindsight, as you know, I started in this business 25 years ago. Right. Well, let's not even go back 25 years. Let's go back 22 years to 1998. Right. First of all, the discussion we're having right now where we're interfering with each other across continents, speaking and seeing each other would have been absolutely impossible. The technology did not exist. Right. right. If, if by any chance, 10 years later, we would have been able to done it, it would have cost an arm and a leg. And we're doing it pretty much for free. Yes, we're paying our internet access, a little bit of equipment, but the actual, the actual granular cost is almost zero, right? right? So in 1998, I was already in the business for five years. Wow. And we were building websites and hosting websites. And I was roughly hosting 50, 60 websites for clients, nothing much. Mm -hmm. uh, WordPress didn't even exist at that time. But my monthly hosting bill was $8,000. And here comes the kicker. I was using 12,000 times less bandwidth than I'm using today. So the price-cost ratio. Yes. What? The price-cost. Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is the nature. Well, let me try to put it in simpler terms for okay. those people. Okay. Right. 
technology as it advances mm -hmm. becomes democratized mm -hmm. and demonetized. And I'm going to give you the perfect example. 20 years ago, or not even that far out, 15 years ago, if we had a cell phone, we were carrying it around in a suitcase. That's how big it was. You've seen the movies, Wall Street, right. Michael Douglas, right? right? It cost an arm and a leg. You had to be a millionaire to afford it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it cost you 10 bucks a minute. Right. And the, call, the calls would drop all the time. They would fail all the time, mm -hmm. right? Then technology becomes more democratized that cell phone got cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. The calls never dropped. Right. And almost everyone can afford it mm. to the tune where even today, people on welfare typically still have a smartphone. Right. right. They still have a C. Right. They still have a microwave. They have a fridge. Those right. are technologies that the wealthiest people 100 years ago couldn't afford because they didn't exist. Right. Right. So we tend to lose perspective, right? But to your point about more and more entrepreneurs seeming to appear out of nowhere, it is, it is purely because it's become so cheap to become an entrepreneur right? That, every, that most everyone has the capacity, financial capacity of launching a business, right? right? So I do a lot of work in Africa, and I was on the podcast last week in Uganda, Mm -hmm. With a lot of young kids, because you know you have huge the demographics there, 18, 25 years old, it's 60 percent of the population. Mm -hmm. Great hustler mentality. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Blah blah blah. Right, and tons of questions. Personal finance. How do you do this? How do you do that? Well, they are today. If you take a kid in Uganda today, or a kid in Cameroon, if they have a smartphone. They have more technology at their fingertips than Bill Clinton did in the U.S. when he was president of the United States. Wow. That's a fact, wow. right? So for those of you who are more economically inclined in economics, mm -hmm. and you've heard of GDP, gross domestic product, which is how we right. measure in the modern world whether we're progressing or on the scale of humanity economically or not. Mm -hmm. This device I'm holding in my phone, the smartphone, Here's a basic mistake and how we're kind of like losing track. The only way we're counting on the GDP basis, the value of this smartphone is by what it costs. Mm. Now, clearly, a phone that cost $3,000 10 years ago that today costs 100 bucks, is being accounted for at a lesser rate, even though it outperforms the old one by 100 to 1. Right. Number one. Right. Number two, and here comes the real problem. Even though this device is getting cheaper, 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 mm -hmm. more and more stuff is being crammed in. It's right. not just a phone, right? right? It's a video conferencing solution. It's a music box. I get all my sports. I get my weather. I get my blood pressure taken. I get my heart rate taken. Correct. It's with Wikipedia, the best encyclopedia known to mankind. Right. That's where I talk about demonetization. Mm. All of this stuff is being loaded into that device at a cost of zero, but everybody has it at their fingertips. Right. Right. So going back to the question, the onset of the question, more and more entrepreneurs, right? Because it gets cheaper and cheaper to do so. It's vastly democratized and demonetized, meaning everybody can do it and it costs next to nothing to do it. Mm. Right. And that's what we're dealing with. Now, there's a slight downside to that. 
if everyone can become an entrepreneur today, the logical thing that will happen is that everyone can compete. Everyone is your competitor. Look at you, you guys are most musicians, right? Mm -hmm. If you go back 25 years and you see as a creative how difficult it was to get signed as that does that term even still exist that i am yeah, yeah, right? no, still yeah no people still get signed you know yeah but but not to the rate back right. then you either get signed or you get nothing right right, right. today you can sign yourself mm -hmm. you can promote your label on instagram on youtube on twitch etc cetera, etc cetera. so many streaming and, platforms right mm -hmm. and you're pretty much in control of your own destiny if you're a good marketer you can be a relatively mediocre artist and still probably make it and, and generate the following. Right. On the flip side, if you're an amazing artist and you suck at marketing, mm -hmm. you go nowhere. Right. What I call, what I call that the syndrome of the billboard in the desert. Mm. You, you can take the most beautiful billboard, the greatest design you've ever seen. Right. And if you stick it in the middle of the Mojave desert, nobody will see it. Right. If you take a lesser billboard, a mediocre billboard, and you put it between LA and Palm Springs on a weekend, the phone will ring. Right. Right? right. So basically the differentiator right now, because we're all in control of our own destiny. And that goes further down the road of democratization. Mm -hmm. 25 years ago, if I wanted to launch a website 25 years ago and it had a database, right. it would cost me per instance, per server, Thirty-two thousand, and I paid it thirty-two thousand dollars U.S. for an Oracle server license. Wow! Today, zero. My SQL is a is a free database. Right. But back then, unless you raised a quarter million to a half million dollars, mm -hmm. you couldn't launch a business. Wow! Today, you scrounge a few bucks up, and you're 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 it. You're, you're right. You want to launch a podcast? If you're funny, if you're you know, if you're entertaining, boom, there it goes. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that's what's up. No, definitely, man. I, and definitely your greatness with the, the information that you're displaying to my creative, for sure. Um, Definitely, let's take it to now the inspirational part. You know, we want to definitely, when my creatives and when I have people come on to this podcast, you know, I definitely want them to either give their top three motivational quotes or top three advices what would you have to say to my creators when it comes oh, man. to the yeah yes please go right you on know, obviously obviously everybody is different than a response to different kind of stimuli right right for for me what i can tell you guys is that for me for 15 years i had one quote behind me i would look at 15 times a day and that quote was winners never quit and quitters and quitters never win okay and that's kind of like been the motto because you know, part of my success has been about sticking with it, whatever the ups and downs. If you believe in what you are here, what, what you're on earth to do, you will succeed if you stick with it. And if you put massive action towards it, if you just wait, it'll never happen, right? But I think when you say quotes, it's important that everybody not just pick mine because it might not resonate with a lot of you guys. Right. But You'll feel it. You'll see it and you'll feel it. When you grab a quote that just makes you shiver, sends chills down your spine, right? Save that quote, put it on the wall, and read it over and over and over because what you're doing is you're reprogramming your mind for success. So it's very important to do that. 
In terms, in terms of books, mm -hmm. I can tell you right now that without a doubt, I read a book a few years ago that I've probably read four or five times since that was gifted to me. And I had it laying on my desk for probably a year and a half before I even touched it. And when I read it, it absolutely blew my mind and it changed my life. And that book is called The Brain That Changes Itself. Mm. It's written by a neuroscientist called Norman Doidge, like the Dodge car, but with an I, D-O-I-D-G-E. Mm -hmm. And basically, the gist of the book, number one, it applies to everybody who is listening to this podcast, no right. matter what it is that you're doing. Yes, you pay that much. Assuming you have a brain. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, you know, otherwise that's, you... what our, that's what our parents <laughs> always said to us, right? You know, assuming you have a brain. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. Right. So as you probably know, for hundreds of years, thousands of years, doctors and neuroscientists believe that once you're an adult human being, your brain is like a rock, like concrete. You cannot change it anymore. Right. And what in the last 15, 20 years, neuroscientists have proven is that's absolutely false. Mm. You can be 90 years old and mm. you can still train your brain. If you're a negative person, you can become a positive person and vice versa, right? right. You basically, with certain stimuli, with, especially with a lot of training exercises, mm -hmm. you can become a better person, open up your mind to different things, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But he goes much deeper. So, for example, he takes special use cases where people were paralyzed. So, for example, as most people know, is that if you have a bad injury, right brain injury, you typically lose control over the left side of your body mm. and vice versa. So right. if you get in a car accident, your, the left hemisphere of your brain is injured, you will somewhat either a little bit or to all the way lose control of your right side of your body. Mm. And for tens of dozens of years, doctors would basically say, this is it, right? Nothing we can do, right? Boom, boom, boom. Well, what this doctor, this neuroscientist proved is that you can reprogram the brain so that the right side will take over and re basically retrain the brain so that you can actually feel that side and, and, and basically move that side of the body again mm. that's by brain exercises. So wow. there's, some, there's something that's actually even more interesting called the ghost limb. Mm. The ghost limb uh, for, you know, basically affects people that have been to war that lose a limb. They lose an arm, they lose a leg, typically, right? Mm -hmm. And then even though the leg, the arm is not there anymore, let's say they lost the, the arm in the Vietnam War, right? right. They come back. Right. They have pain in an arm that's not there, which proves that the pain does not originate in the arm because it's gone. It originates in the brain. Right. Right. right? So what neuroscientists are doing is they're turning off the pathway in the brain, teaching the brain, hey, remember, the left arm doesn't exist anymore. Hence, you should not be feeling any pain. And once that's done, the pain is gone. So imagine, imagine the power of that, right? Imagine the power of our brain if we actually train it the right way and direct right. it the right way. And what this, 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 this book pretty much teaches that to you. Right. The brain that changes itself. The brain that changes itself. You hear that, my creatives? Definitely write down and take down that book. Nonetheless, Dom, we should know where to follow you at, but let my creators know where to follow you, social media, websites, 
everything thereof. And also, too, you can also let everybody know what is your latest project you want them to follow you with. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on social media, Facebook, Dom Einhorn, Dom, D-O-M, as in Mary. Einhorn actually means unicorn in German. Oh, wow. E-I-N, as in Nancy, H-O-R-N. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, website is dom unicorn unicorn with a Q. Nice. And my email is dom at unicorn spelled out with a Q. Okay. All right. Yes, Dom. Man, we appreciate it. Latest project you mentioned. We have a huge project happening okay. in uh, October called the Startup Super Cup. Yes, yes. It is, it is a huge event that will attract. Uh, Roughly 120 startups that will be exhibiting and pitching to close to 1,000 angel investors and funds. Okay. That'll take place right here in the city of Sala, France, S-A-R-L-A-T, on October 1, 2, 3 of 2021. So in about All 10 right. months from today. All right. You know, Lord willing, hopefully everything goes well and people could physically come there and, and, and see this event. You know what I'm saying? That's the point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. You know. Definitely, you know, with everything with 2021, you know, we, we we left 2020 behind. We're in a new year. Hopefully everything gets motivated and rocking and rolling. Nonetheless, Dom, we appreciate you here always. And on cuts, you know what the cuts stand for, y'all. Culture, urban, technology, and sports. You know what's up. Thank you, Dom. We appreciate you out here. Thank you very much. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, now. Take care, man. Bye. We'll mm-hmm.